Welcome into another edition of the PBA Pod Damn It podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hughes. Alongside me, I can't even call him a guest host anymore, is Jeff Blake, the Dublin Dinos GM. Jeff, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. How you doing tonight? Doing fantastic. Well, we are on the cusp of uh, the opening day, if you will, for uh, the 2032 season. Uh, we've talked about, you know, all the good, bad, and ugly that uh, occurred for the 2031 season. And this is really my favorite time of the year because, as you know, we have uh, 24 teams in the PBA, and all 24 teams currently right now have the same shot at making the playoffs. So without any further ado, um, one of the things that I wanted to kind of start out talking about is um, some of the injuries that took place around the PBA in the uh, preseason. There's some big yeah. name, big name guys that uh, that went down, um, especially on the FRL side. And mm-hmm. you know, um, just for example, um, I know Kentucky had uh, Bowie uh, go down. He's going to be out right. for, I want to say, like three or four weeks. Um, I know that Chicago is going to be missing one of their starting pitchers for an extended period of time. And you are another one. Um, mm-hmm. Your, you know, your exceptional first baseman, uh, Matt Cading, is going to be out for an extended period of time as well yep. as, yep. yeah, as well as a, a relief pitcher that you have. Um, mm-hmm. How how significant? And obviously, I know it's based on the player and you know how much you have as far as backup. But where you're in this right. position, how significant a loss is it to you know for your team to to not mm-hmm. have your opening day starter at first base. Yeah, he, it'll be a big loss. I, I'm fortunate enough that um, I have a, a guy who's ready, ready to step into his place. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't know where uh, Joe Jones was going to play. He's um, a top third base prospect. Um, obviously, I had David Adams, so he's not going to, not going to play there. And then I had Kading at first, and he's not going to play there. But with, uh, with Kading out, he's going to, um, he's going to slot into first base um, in the meantime. And uh, in the minors, he always hit righties really well, didn't really hit lefties really well. So um, I've got Joe Torrey, who will be uh, kind of his platoon mate. He's going to back up back up my starting catcher and uh, be a platoon mate with Kading at first base um, to try and get his, him as many at bat, as bats as well, because I'm real excited about Torrey as well. Um, for Bowie, I, I, don't, I don't know how you replace that guy. He's, uh, there's not many uh, second basemen like him. He had a 183 OPS plus last year, but um, fortunately, it's it's only going to be a three week recovery for Bowie, so sh- shouldn't be too long for him. Right, and just in case, just in case you're listening, Dennis uh, Jordan Alcorn is on waivers. If you, uh, I, I know so, yeah. If you need a second baseman, you can <laughs> have him for free. Well, not free. The contract's cheap, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. I was going to say maybe it's not free, <laughs> but <laughs> you might have to pay a little something. But you'd have a second baseman yeah. in the meantime. Um, I, I think you know the, the the expression goes, Jeff, that hindsight is twenty twenty. And one of the things that I think is interesting is, for better or for worse, whether you're super active in the league or maybe this is your first season, I would say. I don't think anybody has been able to avoid the Cleveland, um, 
I don't want to use the word drama because that's not fair really to Kevin mm-hmm. or the team, but uh, the, you know, the, the talks that have surrounded Cleveland, yeah. but now that the off season is completely done, um, I'm curious because, you know, I think, I think when you look at things through a lens, you know, it can definitely look one way, but you know, after the fact, now that you look and you see that, you know, all the guys that he's signed, all the guys that he's been able to bring back to replace the 30 something year old guys. Um, and yeah. I know you, I know you felt kind of differently from the get go, but I'm just wondering, do you mm-hmm. think, do you think overall the perception may be different when you look at the team that Kevin's constructed there in yeah. Cleveland now, as opposed to what it looked like at the beginning of, of the, the off season? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he's not going to win the world series next year and he, he knows that, but, I don't think he took such a huge step back where he's going to be cooking in the top 10 or top 12 next year. I think he'll be right around um, 500, which in that division is honestly uh, might be good enough to get you in the playoffs. So then as we know, once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because one of the things, one of the things that I actually mentioned to Mike on the LAX podcast I look at this division and like no disrespect to the other teams. I know Orlando has literally done everything they can this off season <laughs> to, to try and scrape and claw back to respectability. But, you know, mm-hmm. or Orlando and Salem and, and even Josh and Montana, I, I, I kind of still feel like there's a little ways to go there. Yeah. And um, that leaves Milwaukee and Winnipeg. I don't know why. Um, but it just seems like with Winnipeg every year, I'm always saying next year will be their year. Yeah. But I just don't get the best feeling about that team. Mm-hmm. So I kind of go back and forth. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Cleveland wins this division again, even right. without Russick, even without Jarnigan and Crudge mm-hmm. and, you know, Rebol and all these other yeah. guys. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he wins the division again, you know, and wins 85 games or 90 mm-hmm. games. Yeah. So, it is interesting, like you mentioned. Yes, we did talk about um, talk about it, but uh, I'd like I, I kind of wanted to you know talk about some of the major transactions that have happened um, this off season, and mm-hmm. just kind of get your opinion because you were involved in some of them. Um, some of them, you know, obviously more major than others, mm-hmm. but um, I you know I, I I thought there was some some interesting. Interesting, you know, trades that kind of transpired this offseason. And, um, you know, obviously none bigger than all the stuff that happened there in um, Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the deals for Tippett, you know, um, for Palmetto trading for, for Tippett. And then, yeah. you know, the deal to move Russick back to the now defunct Tampa, Tampa now Bay. <laughs> yeah, which is now Quebec. So yeah. I'm just I'm just curious um, on the surface when you look at like, let's just kind of, we'll lump everything together and we'll look at like Cleveland as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about like the moves, you know, and, and I'm not one of those guys that, you know, likes to totally judge another GM's mm-hmm. trades per se. Cause I do feel like, and I've said this before on the pod and I know you've heard me, like, I feel like it really does take a couple seasons in order to fairly oh, evaluate sure. a trade. I mean, if you remember, everybody thought like I basically stole, Chris mm-hmm. Morgan three years ago. And like every year Jarnigan has, <laughs> has put up more right. war than he has. Now, granted, I understand he's getting older, but I'm just saying it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to look at a trade three years later 
Right. And one team has gotten more war in saying, oh, this guy still actually won the trade. So hmm. with all that right. said, how do you feel about the moves that Cleveland has made this offseason? And, hmm. you know, they've gotten younger. They've gotten they've bolstered, bolstered maybe some of their farm system. Um, but yeah. they've also been able to bring in some some interesting guys, whether it be via trades or free agency. W w what's your thoughts on um, their offseason moves? Yeah, I think he's done a good job. I um, you know, Russick had one year. He had no guarantee that he was going to resign him. Um, and he was losing a bunch of guys to free agency on the offensive side of the ball. So, um, you know, m might as well take a step back in, in my view. So he, I think he got a good return for Russick. Uh, he wasn't planning on trading Tippett, but he just got overwhelmed by that offer. It was almost too good to say no kind of offer. So right. um, he, he, he really liked Tippett a lot. <clears throat> that was a hard trade for him, I know. And um, that, that return was really good. And then he's he's uh, signed a few little uh, key free agents here and there, I noticed, um, on one-year and two-year deals to kind of get him through, kind of bridge, bridge um, the next few seasons, I think. Right. Now, staying in the same division, um, another team that I feel like has made massive, massive strides now, granted, the floor the floor was very, very low right. to begin with, being a 61 win yeah. team. But it's hard to talk about moves and not talk about Scott and the Orlando mm -hmm. Whoppers. Um, right. He broke the piggy bank, <clears throat> the proverbial piggy bank, if you will, you know, giving thirty million dollars a year to Alan Kerr, although it is only three years. Um, yeah. But he did he did spend thirty million, twenty seven six actually, per mm -hmm. year. Um, so he, he, he gets himself a, a pretty darn good second baseman. Yep. And then, you know, he went back to the wishing well, he got himself, um, a good starting pitcher. He got himself a couple relievers. Um, he went back and got, um, looks like, uh, he got himself. Crabby. Yep. So my question is, is, you know, obviously he was starting pretty low, but he must, Scott must feel mm -hmm. the same thing that we do that, Hey, you know what, if I can even cracked 500 like i've got yeah. a chance to make the playoffs yeah so with the moves that he's made now granted i know he started at 61 wins but this was a team that mm -hmm. was you know top three in the league in home runs last year where right. where do you like you know obviously he's trending upward but but how do you see this team um the trajectory you don't have to give like a a, a definitive mm -hmm. you know this is how many games they're going to win. But do yeah. you think you think come the last month of the season that we could be talking about the Orlando Whoppers or is it yeah. probably more likely that we're, we're a year out? Um, kind of like uh, Cleveland, if they can get near 500, they have a chance to um, either win the division or, or come in second place. So yeah, I don't see any reason why they can't, um, you know, get, get near 500 and be in contention. Um, they have lost over, 101 games, five straight seasons, I think. So I'm sure he's he's sick of that, and he's ready to uh, put a winning product on the field. Right. So yeah, I, um, Kale, I'm glad glad to see Kale Krabby out of my division. I'm sure you are too. He was always yeah. uh, always hated him see, seeing him come out of the bullpen, and um and so and, and Kerr is a good player. Um, you know, I don't know how good he'll be at the end of that contract, but at least for the next, first couple of years of that contract, he'll be. That'd be good. And well, what, was other, what were some he, of the other big guys oh, he got? Well, uh, he, he got Lorenzo Arroyo from Palmetto. Yeah, 
And yeah, he, I mean, he had a two sixty five ERA last year. He's a he's a good yeah. reliever. And and that that's actually the the highest ERA he's had over the last three years. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's a really here's the problem though, and and I always caution against these kind of guys, but like mm-hmm. if if you look over the course of the last three years, he's had the most game appearances two out of the last three years. The problem is he hasn't had one start. Right. Scott, Scott's using him as a starting pitcher. And I, I only I only mention this because any you know we all know like you can take just about any starting pitcher, put them in a high leverage situation, you yeah. know, pitch them for a couple innings, and they're probably going to be fine. It's when mm-hmm. you get through when you get to the 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 order of the second, third, and fourth time that it starts yeah. to become a problem. When you hit the fifth inning, the sixth inning, like does it's not just the stamina, but you know, can he hold mm-hmm. runners on? Are they going to get a free base when they, you know, free pass when they need to get to the next base? Right. Can mm-hmm. he keep his control under wraps and not walk a bunch of guys? But right. the numbers are definitely there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not a fluke. You know, he had 95 innings last year, but you look at the two previous years before that, 129.2, oh, yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, like like he's proven that like he's a proven commodity that he can come mm-hmm. in. And he can absolutely kind of nail down, um, you know, nail down a, an offense and, and keep a game close. Like I said, yeah. I, I just have a small question mark about a guy who hasn't started mm-hmm. a game since 2028, yeah. four years later being the first time he'll start. Um, mm-hmm. You know, can he be the guy? Now, right. I, I applaud Scott, though, for the for the effort, because I don't think mm-hmm. there's. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that without the pickup of Arroyo, if he doesn't perform admirably, I, whether or not this team makes the playoffs. Like, I right. just don't think they have enough pitching-wise. Mm-hmm. Like you said, when you start looking at, you know, adding guys like, you know, Martin from Oakland, who honestly, and this is just my opinion, but I think, I think honestly Martin probably should be the starter, but that's neither here nor there. But you look yeah. at guys like Martin, you look at guys like Arroyo, as you mentioned, Krabby, like he's done a lot to revamp mm-hmm. and rebuild this uh, yeah. bullpen and also to try and strengthen the starting roster. His pitching should be much better. And with mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, pretty much everybody on his roster can hit double digit home runs and most of them can hit 20 plus, like it's going to be, it's going to be a fun time in Orlando for sure. Yeah. yeah no, no. <laughs> a lot of high scoring games. Right. Um, what's your thoughts on, on, uh, Milwaukee? Like Milwaukee is a team that I have a really hard time pegging because Mm -hmm. as you know, you know, they started the year last year, they were in the driver's seat to make the playoffs and they ended the year on a three and 23 stretch over their last 26 games, which is just, I mean, it's almost unbelievable to think Mm -hmm. that you could be so bad that you win three out of 23 you know, 26, like, and I'm, believe me, I'm not saying he's intentionally losing, but I'm saying like, just, just statistically, it's almost impossible for that to happen. So it it has me pause for a minute and go, okay, who is this team? Is this the team that was in the playoff hunt and literally had a, you know, a wild card spot locked up halfway through the year at the all-star break? Mm -hmm. Or is this team more the team that we saw later in the year? And honestly, I just don't know. Um, you know, he did bring in Sakata from Montreal, who mm-hmm. is durable. He's one of those innings eaters. He's going to give you 160 plus innings every year. Yeah. 
Um, you know, he has Jason Barber, who's been fairly consistent for him. Brought in daily. I, ERA leader. Right. I was going to say, got Daly as well, who and, and he also pitched quite a few innings. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know. It's like, you know, I, I, I mean, when you look at Daly, his numbers, yes, he, he was the ERA leader. But he also had the best BAPIP in the league as well. Right, right. So it's like, can you mm-hmm. expect a 2.69 ERA again from Daly? Yeah. I, right. I I think it's probably more in line with what you've seen the previous couple of years, which is like mm-hmm. three nine it's seven, crazy. right? Yeah. So I just I don't know what to make of this team because he because you know you look at this team and you know Sean ha- or Shane has so many guys on this team that I like are really I mean like his first baseman Nick Tharp mm-hmm. is you know all worldly like I mean right. he's he's going to be like the next superstar bat if you will 27 year old kid just about ready to hit that pinnacle he's got 80 plus defense the way you know bill likes it if you will all of his <laughs> offensive ratings if you will are all 60 plus i, I mean he hit 25 home runs last year and only 354 at bat so right. he's going to be a monster you know and you start going down the list here Vatcher, another guy you know i think is he he could very easily put up 30 home runs. Ballard is the kid. I'm sure you remember three years ago, he was the mm-hmm. number one overall pick. Um, yep. He's going to be playing third base. He's almost completely developed. So it's like, you know, he has some real high upside guys. I just don't know if he has enough pitching and if the bet, maybe it's a year too early on the bats. That's kind of how yeah. I feel. Right. Ballard, Ballard hit 214 last year. Triple line he hit a lot of home runs, but right. Yeah, he's got he's yeah, he's still got some some great definitely. And then that takes us to to Winnipeg. Um what's your thoughts on Winnipeg? I kinda like no disrespect to Rob, but I, I always feel bad for Aiden Hinshaw. I feel like he's kinda <laughs> like I feel like he's kinda like the Mike Trout of the mm-hmm. PBA. Like like he plays on a team that's okay but like never good enough to get over the hump but like if you look right. at his numbers every year as a catcher uh, he puts up four plus war every year like he's mm-hmm. he's like in my opinion like the best catcher in the league and it's not that close. yeah sure yeah so um what's your thoughts on on winnipeg and you know i mean he's got he's got some interesting pieces but like you know he made the playoffs last year. He's made the playoffs the last two years in a row, but it seems like he always gets bounced, you know, in that right. first round or, you know, two years ago he made it the second round, but then immediately got, you know, four, one swept out. So what's your, <laughs> what's your thoughts on Winnipeg? Yeah, I, I, I think they'll be right around 500 like they were last year. They've, they've got some good pieces like uh, Bill Ryan and Harrison Levesque and, and hate Henshaw, like you mentioned, but I don't know how, how deep your pitching goes. They got, Mackenzie's good, 332 ERA, and Mansell had a four, and and you go kind of go on go down from there, and um, so I don't know if he has the pitching to kind of kind of keep up with the rest of the division. Right. But, um, yeah. Then you move on to uh, Josh and the Mountain Men, and you know, it, you know, small ballpark. Every every guy he has in his lineup. I mean, you literally go top to bottom and every guy in his lineup pretty much with the exception of two guys mm-hmm. has 50 plus power. I mean, he's, he's yeah. probably going to hit nine gazillion home runs again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Carlos Olivo is uh, a youngster who got called up last year. 
who had very limited at bats, 196 at bats, um, but looked pretty good. He's got a pretty interesting profile, um, pretty good contact hitter, pretty good eye. You know, looks like he could end up being a guy that's near the top of the league in on base percentage every year. You just wonder, you know, he has the speed and the 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 base ratings, but you know, will he be able to develop enough in left field to not be a massive liability? Like he's going to mm-hmm. have to put up numbers that are so large that you don't necessarily care about, you know, the fielding. Um, yeah. George George Bullock is always a you know a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy that's going to put up three, four, five WAR every single year. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, he didn't resign Blundell, which I understand, but he has Clattenburg, a a true ACE number one type guy, Mm -hmm. great pitcher. He's got Tamayo, another guy that I really, really like. And then Porlo, um, you know, who's really, really good as well. So, and then, you know, you start looking down the list. I didn't even really know who, uh, Danios was, um, you know, so like he's got. I mean, just according to kind of the scouts I view and the ratings and the fact that like you look and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, these guys have had, you know, like Donios has had a couple years, you know, last year was a little bit of a blip, but the pre- previous two years, he was sub four on his ERA to mm-hmm. last year, over 200 innings, sub four ERA, you know, and you start thinking, you know, oh, this is the mountain and, you know, this is the uh, Montana ballpark. If these guys can keep the ball inside the ballpark and run a mm-hmm. sub four ERA, like, yeah. you know, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> anything yeah, Tamayo's is possible. got the, Tamayo's got 84 movement. So he's, he's definitely built for that ballpark. If any, any pitcher is right. And then uh, Porlo's got 70 movement. So you can tell what he's trying to do here. You know, trying to get some, some uh, pitchers that aren't going to give up the long ball so much. Um, and so he, he can be the team hitting the long ball in the games and stuff. But, yeah, he's got the right idea. He's got a long ways to go from 66 wins, I think. But, you know, I think he's got the right idea, definitely. So if if you were going to – if you were going to categorize the ARL Little Italy division, you've got Winnipeg, Milwaukee, um, Cleveland, Montana, Salem, Orland, Orlando. This is the way, way too early. Mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff and Brian – Preseason predictions here, (laughs) opening day predictions. How would you guesstimate that this, uh, you know, barring injuries and all the crazy things that mean you can't even (laughs) account for, how would you estimate that this um, division plays out? And uh, I want one other thing from you. How many wildcard or how many playoff teams do you see coming out of this division considering, you know, how loaded the Europe is? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's the easy question. I think just two. I think, um, I, I kind of see Salem bouncing back. They've always been a good team. I think last year was kind of a blip. So I see them win in and Cleveland coming in second. And then everyone else kind of a lot of, a lot of teams um, at or near 500 kind of deal. So it, it'll be a close scrum, but I, I think Salem and Cleveland kind of rise to the top a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I went back and forth on this because, I could literally, if you told me any one of the six teams won the division, I can right. make an I can make an argument for it. Sure, like yeah, it's that close. But mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna just go with my gut. I'm gonna say Cleveland still wins the division, but yeah. I I will be willing to bet you from the top of the division to the bottom of the division. I don't think there's going to be more 
than a 12 game gap between the first team and the last team. Mm-hmm, I think, right. I think, I think that's, that's how close it'll be. I think it'll come down to the last week or two, and you're still going to have three or four teams. Like you mentioned, vying for those two spots. Mm-hmm. I think the wider division is just so loaded right now. You look at the right. number four team in this division, whether you think that's, you know, the bombers or the surf or, you know, the iconics, you know, it's like, um, or even the bandits, you know, if you think that they're mm-hmm. about to, to be on the come up, it, I, I just think it's going to be really, really difficult for these teams that we just discussed to yeah. win 85 plus games. And I think, mm-hmm. I think the fourth place team in the Earth division probably wins 85 games. That's just, right. that's just my, yeah. my opinion. So I think we're in the mm-hmm. same boat. I'm going to go Cleveland number one, and this is mm-hmm. super, super difficult. I always love Brett's team in Salem and I kind of went back and forth. And I love Rob. I love talking to him. Um, fellow, you know, he's a, he's a Canadian. Mm-hmm. My, my dad's side's from Canada, but uh, okay. um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Josh uh, mm-hmm. in Montana. Just like I said, we look at that pitching staff, you know, that pitching matters, you know, baseball, it's yeah. kind of baseball's equivalent to defense. Um, I could totally see that Montana staff being one of the better staffs uh, in the PBA this year. Um, kind of mm-hmm. coming coming out of non notoriety, if you will, um, and, yeah. and kind of stepping up. So, I, I do I do think that it's going to be interesting. But I'm going to go with Cleveland, Montana. Um, you went with uh, Salem and, mm-hmm. and, Cleveland. and Cleveland. Cleveland. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. Let's go over to the uh, the Wyatt Herb Division. And if you have any transactions or anything you want to talk about, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the top we could both agree. More than likely, it's probably going to be Palmetto. Oh yeah. Um, just, I, rich I got richer. Yeah. I, you know, I give, I give major kudos to, to, you know, I give major kudos where kudos are due. I don't have a problem doing that. And mm-hmm. you know what? I, I give Jacob major kudos. He's one of those guys kind of after my own heart. Like he doesn't he mind. Yeah. He doesn't mind breaking the bank um, in order to get what he wants. And you know mm-hmm. what he wanted? He wanted, uh, he wanted a catcher that's going to put up four and a half four and, and he got himself mm-hmm. that catcher. So yeah, kudos to him. And outside of that, I mean, You've got, um, you know, you've got the the the, the two time in a row by by the way, two time um, PBA uh, MVP in Pop Smoke at short, who put up over ten WAR last year. You know, you've got, I mean, he just loaded from top to bottom. Vivio mm-hmm. Foreign, yeah, you've got Campo, you know, Matri, Putin. Like, I mean, they're just loaded, loaded. The mm-hmm. one guy, the one guy that I'm a little interested about, and maybe maybe he does some adjustments. I don't know, but I noticed his right fielder. At least what it shows is that this guy Essam is scheduled to be his opening day starter at right field. He played for Tampa last year. It looks like about 300 at bats, put up 24 homers, had a 2.22 average with a 3.56 on base, and basically a half a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. I'm wondering, you know, is this really truly going to be his right fielder? Because, yeah. you know, he does have some other guys on the roster mm-hmm. that can fill that position if he wanted to. But uh, I think that kid definitely is interesting, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if he if he hit 40 home runs, I don't think anybody would be surprised. So, yeah, I've got him for 90 home run power. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's he's a monster in that regard. So we both, we both agree Palmetto. I guess the next question mm-hmm. is, unless you're anticipating a major slide, um, <laughs> I I kind of feel like Oakland. I mean, you yep. look at the last couple of years. You know, he's 
he's won, he's averaged a hundred wins over the course of the last two years. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. that it's going to change a whole lot. Yeah. Um, he's got a, a pretty darn good staff. He's got a really, really good roster. Carto is just unbelievable. Um, and Goody is, is, is amazing as well in his own right. So, mm-hmm. um, I kind of feel like those are the top two teams. Do, do you agree yeah, so far? Yeah, definitely. I think where it gets interesting is when we start talking about team number three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is no disrespect to Frank. I know he's got a plan. I know he's building, but mm-hmm. I kind of feel like he's probably like at least one more year out. Maybe yeah, I could definitely. be wrong. Um, but so to me, it comes down to Dennis or excuse me, it comes down to Disney. Um, mm-hmm. it comes down to New York and Honolulu, all three vying for two spots. Right. Right. And the thing that I find the most interesting about this is, and I really try not to let emotion sway because as I'm sure, you know, Uh, Me and Mike are friends in real life. And, um, you know, I I probably look at his team probably more than other teams. And to be honest with you, he probably has more former Seattle players than the other two teams. (laughs) I mean, there's (laughs) Seattle players all over the place, but he has more. Mm -hmm. But if you look at his if you look at his rotation between Remu, Bigelow, Yao, Lausanne, Pajil, I mean, he's got like four guys that are four and a half star or better potential that are, you know, mm-hmm. three and a half, four star. Like you're just waiting for some of these guys to pop like every right. year. I'm like, okay, this is the year. Big Lou is going to be good. This is going to be the year that he's good. <laughs> and he's like, he's like four, four and a half, right. three, three right. and a half. And so I don't want to be negative. Cause I know Mike went all in and I'm sure he's going to listen to this, but like, I am like at the point where I'm like, mm, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then, but then he goes and makes, you know, the moves to get Bill Lipowski, another guy. I'm sure you're glad it's no longer in the division. Yep. Um, you know, and he grabs, uh, you know, a shortstop in Laheb Cortez, who mm-hmm. I'm sure with your, you know, your, your defensive metrics that you put out, you're very, very aware of him. Very yep. good shortstop. And so it's difficult because, you know, I know, we all know that Mike knows how to construct a team and when he wants to win and he's, and he's got the time and his head's in it that Mm -hmm. he's, he's going to be good. But I also think like, like Gary's team is so ridiculously loaded. Like I don't even understand how he wins like 75 to 80 games a year. Like I think, I think John Salsato is like the best player in the league that nobody's nobody heard about. Awesome. You know I mean, yeah, like you look at his ratings and like he should be he should be putting up the numbers that Pop Smoke did. You know what I mean, like like the yeah. 10 war, like he's that type of content. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then you look at, you know, the, the, the guys that he has between, you know, a, you know, a Dominic who I'm, uh, you know, a former former uh, Dublin player, but a guy mm-hmm. that puts up, you know, 30, 40 home runs every single year, you know, um, and, you know, obviously had a down year last year. You look at Wilcott, another guy that puts up 40 home runs every single year. You know, his big problem, and, and I, I think Gary would tell you this even if he was here right now, is can he get enough pitching? Mm-hmm. You know, he's got Abdul squared. Okay. I think he'll be fine with him. That's that's 170 innings. Oh, yeah. But can, they, but can these other guys, he has these young guys, Chris Norton, you know, that you know, this is his first crack at it. You know, is he going to be able to rise to the occasion? He picked up the kid from, um, 
Oakland, uh, Jesus Rodriguez, you know? And so you wonder like how these guys are going to step up, excuse me. And then lastly, (laughs) you look at Honolulu and this team is just built so differently than the other two. Right. They have like all their power basically comes from two guys on this roster. And that's pretty much Koga. Who's basically a 40 home run guy and mm-hmm. ba- and Bandolo, who's like a 30 home run guy, but everybody else, like, you know, Borland, who's probably his best player put up eight war last year. He mm-hmm. had one, he had one home run, which is totally fine, but it's just to put into context, right. <laughs> it, but it's just to put into context, you look at like his third baseman, Nick Kiesel, like mm-hmm. great player, you know, three and a half war, led the league in triples, but he had six home runs. Yeah. So it's just a much, much different style of how he's going to win games. Mm -hmm. But, and I know you've probably heard me say this on another show, but I will tell you my favorite pitcher in the entire league, not named Russick is miles. Yes. This kid is just a stud. He's now 26 led the league last year's and game started innings pitched K's whip strikeouts per nine and i like honestly i really truly believe like he's only getting better like at least according to my scout you know his ratings yeah his ratings have continued to improve and like i just i think he is like the nest i've said this on a previous pod but like i think he is the next russick like i think he probably Mm -hmm. wins three or four cy youngs before it's all said and done like i think he's that good um, and it sucks that, you know, I feel like if you don't make the postseason or, you know, if your war isn't the highest among pitchers, I kind of feel like you don't get a lot of attention because you just look at his numbers on the surface. Like he had almost seven war, which is ridiculous, but there's probably a pitcher out there that plays for Palmetto that had seven and a half war, right? Like, right. Right. like Beltron or something like that, who probably won the, the Cy Young, and it's like, do, is he really more valuable and he, is he really more deserving, you know, mm-hmm. than a guy like Miles Stanton? Like, I don't know. I, I think Miles Stanton to this club kind of like means everything. So right. I, I know this has kind of been a wild roundabout version, but I have a really, really hard time with this. But I'm going to go with Disney and New York. Mm-hmm. being three and four and i'm gonna say honolulu just misses but mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if any one of those three teams make or miss what's your thoughts um, i'm thinking honolulu third and, and disney fourth i think honolulu kind of rides their their hot streak at the end of the season and their season and carries it forward this season and, and takes third place all right so then so then the bombers would miss the playoffs in that scenario yeah yeah, yeah. which i hate right. to say Love Gary. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Listen, we all, we all, we're all adults here. We all understand that at some that's point right. you're going to miss the playoffs. So I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting and I'm sure you did as well since you've joined the league. And I think you've been here now seven or eight years uh, mm-hmm. in, in season years. Yeah. Last year was the first time the Latin quarter division had sent more than two teams to the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Um, and they actually sent four. So with that said, does the Latin quarter continue to dominate the FRL side, or do you think the French quarter wakes up and sends at least three teams this year? I think we send three this year. I think it'll be uh, 
Vancouver, myself and, and Cologne. And uh, I think Long Island, Chicago, and Kentucky from the other side. Although Cascadia might squeak in. Yeah, what do you think? Man, I have such a hard time with I have such a hard time with their division. Um, out of all the divisions, like I just feel like the teams are built so similarly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Because here's the hard thing for me, right? Like if you if you didn't know where these teams started from, right? And you just looked mm-hmm. on if you just looked on paper, yeah. It's really hard for me to look at Quebec and look at what mm-hmm. they did between acquiring Garin, you know, Gazy. And some Russick. of these other, right, Russick and, 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 you know, Jeff, even Jeff Call, not a major mm-hmm. move, but he's still mm-hmm. a solid number three, four starter. It's yeah. hard for me to look at these guys, you know, even Borland and go, you know what, this team isn't vastly improved over where they were. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Now, they only won 64 games, or they only won 71 games last year, but in a division that's going to be highly contested and super tight. I could totally see them being 81 and 81 mm-hmm. this year, especially with yeah. Russick. I think Russick's probably a 10 ga- 10 game swing on his own. Right. Um, so it, it makes things, it makes things super interesting. I, I kind of feel like this, no disrespect to Archie, but I think Archie's probably at the bottom. Toronto's probably mm-hmm. at the bottom in yep. the division. I think long Island is clearly at the top. I think two through five is where things are interesting. And I think you could make a case for Quebec, Chicago, Kentucky, or Cascadia to be right Mm -hmm. in there. I have a really, really hard time kind of um, going against Corey and Cascadia just because Mm -hmm. I've I've seen this team operate. I've seen Bowdery operate. I know what he can do. I've seen Meyer pitch. I've seen, you know, Ordonez. Like I know these guys have pitched multiple years, multiple years of success. And so <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of lean towards Cascadia and I may be totally mm-hmm. wrong. I really, really like the team that Dennis has built. I really right. like, you know, I know he tried so hard to trade Ryan sweet because mm-hmm. he's in the last year of his contract and he's not planning on re-signing him. But I got to tell you, like, even if he just gets the comp pick and the guy puts up another three and a half war for him, 26 homers Mm -hmm. and a 290 average, like that might be the difference between him making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because I just said that, and I know this is just going to sound insane, but (laughs) I'm going to go Long Island one, Cascadia two, Kentucky three. Mm -hmm. I really like Chicago, but I'm really tempted to put Quebec third. Like yeah. I, I really like their team a lot, but I'm going to go long Island, Cascadia, Kentucky. But like I said, if you, <laughs> if Chicago ended up coming in second or third, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If Quebec right. came in second or third, I wouldn't be that shocked at all. <laughs> so let's talk about our division. You've already kind of gave, gave the spoiler. You've got um, <laughs> Vancouver, Dublin and Cologne. One, two, three, right? Yep. Okay, what what do you think? Do you think that the difference between uh, because I know you won 100 games last year, I know Jeff won 100 games last year. Do you think the gap between first and second will be larger than the gap between second and third, or do you think you're going to be closer to Dublin, just in the way you envision it? I think uh, I think I'm going to be close to Vancouver. I think I'll be somewhere to last season where 
I chase him to the final week, and, and he just barely barely squeaks it out. I uh, hope I'm wrong. I hope I can uh, finally beat him and win a division for once. But um, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think I think it'll be two or three. His his pitching staff is just ridiculous. So um, when you when you have you know one through five and ace going every day, it, it, it's hard to beat. So I, I think he'll be he'll be around 105 wins, and I'll be around 99 wins, something like that. And then um, high 80s for Kelowna, I would think maybe 90. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be super interesting because you know for the for the reasons you just said. I mean, Bill has said it on the show, and it you know, listen, we all understand you know shit happens for a lack of a better word, but you know, I mean, if not for the quote unquote glitch in the sim, like Cologne makes the playoffs <laughs> last year, yep. like you know they they would have won eighty five games and they would have been in. So it's like it was that close, razor thin. Mm-hmm. Um, I just won. I just wonder. And I know it's not major differences, but I'm just saying, like, if you look at the team right now, mm-hmm. I wonder, like, he loses his catcher, Moya. Yep. I'm not necessarily in love with the guys he has to replace him. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, he he lost a couple pitchers, as you mentioned, Krabby. I don't know if I love the guys that he's using to replace him. Right. Um, and listen, me and Mark have this friendly banter going back and forth where it doesn't matter what he does. I'm always going to say it's negative, even if. <laughs> it's, even if it's amazing and, and vice versa, and I wouldn't want it any other way, but right. I, will, I will tell you just, just in my, my own team's defense. So I had the worst record in one run games last year. <laughs> I lost, I, I lost 15 games by one run and yeah, it nice. wasn't even close. There wasn't another team that had double digit losses. <laughs> And what I mean by that is not necessarily that I had 15 one-run loss games. I'm saying I had 15 more losses than wins. So, for example, <laughs> the team that wins that goes 10 and 10 in one-run games, that is a net zero. I'm saying I went like 10 and right. 25, right. <laughs> which is which is insane. Um, and it's it's hard, right? Because you know, mm-hmm. I I completely understand your concerns, and uh, I I completely appreciate that. I had several people come to me like, "Hey, are you tearing down? You know, is this guy available? This guy available?" Mm-hmm. It's really hard because two seasons ago, I was in the World Series. Yeah. I won the I won the division, and you know, I won a hundred games. I won the division, and I went to the World Series, and my number one pitcher gets injured, and I basically can't even i mean it's basically like fighting a one-armed man for the final fight (laughs) right like i just i just you know between my right you know my my best power hitter gets injured and my best pitcher gets injured and now i'm trying Mm -hmm. to you know use duct tape and bailing wire against palmetto which is probably not a good recipe for success so it's like it's hard it's like okay are you the team that you were two years ago or are you Mm -hmm. closer to the team that you were last year when you won 81 games because right. pretty much every every guy on my roster outside of Chris Morgan had a down year last year. So we'll see. I, I you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to make the playoffs, but I mm-hmm. I would be surprised if I don't win more than 81 games last year. And if I win yeah. more than 81 games, like you just mentioned, you win mid to high 80s, I think you make the playoffs. So it's going to be yep. interesting, going to be super competitive. And I would even say the same thing about uh, about Paris. They won 84 games last year. I understand that they had a couple guys that, uh, you know, they had a couple guys that, that they got rid of, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, whether it be Clattenburg or, you know, some of their other relievers, they didn't resign. Um, 
can't remember the guy's name anyways. And then they have Lozown that's out for five weeks, but um, they've got a lot of talent. <laughs> you know, you look at, you look at his starting center fielder. I, I tried to trade for him like two or three times. He absolutely just would not trade for him. And I understand talent gets people, people fired, but number eight prospect in the entire game. I've got his contact, his gap over 90. Yep. His yeah. home run. Yeah, home run and I over fifty and is avoid K over seventy. He's mm-hmm. got all the all the right personality traits. He's got all the range, all the speed, all the stealing base running you would want. I I, I don't see how this kid doesn't put up at least three or year one. Mm-hmm. And you know, you already know what Orlowski and McDonald and Cole and you know yeah. some of these other guys are gonna do. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Christian's right back in the playoffs mm-hmm. next year and we see which I know sounds blasphemous, but, and we see the Latin quarter division only send two teams again. Like okay. literally I would not be surprised at all. I'm down for that. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little shop because myself and you made a couple trades as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's interesting for, you know, whether it be newer people or even veterans alike on maybe some of the, the logic or reason why people do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, we traded, um, you traded me, uh, one of the trades we did, you had, uh, Amos Burton, which mm-hmm. you mentioned was the first pick you ever made in the PBA. You drafted him. Um, he was your first pick. Number two uh, overall. Yeah. Number two overall. Uh, you drafted him. I believe it was, was it 2025? Yep. Yep. Yeah. 2025. I didn't have it in front of me, so I'm glad I mm-hmm. guessed correctly. But um, he he's obviously he's not a he's not a bad player but i know you have a lot of guys but so Mm -hmm. what was the logic or what was the thought process behind you know because whether it was me or someone else obviously you're going to move him what was Mm -hmm. the thought process behind uh moving burton after you've had him on your squad and you 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 know you've had him for so many years and kind of had a plan Mm -hmm. for him and then he no longer fit in yeah it was just a numbers crunch a lot of times when I make deals, it's not necessarily that I want to get rid of that guy. It's because I've got three other guys that are out of options, and um, I'm worried about losing somebody else to to waivers. Um, Tom, uh, Tom Massey, for one, is out of options, and I think he's got he's got higher upside. Um, I'm hoping he takes a big step forward. Um, he, it was the fifth starter spot was a battle between him and and Burton, and um, if Burton won the fifth starter job then uh, Massey would either be in the bullpen, which isn't his forte, or he, I would have had to, you know, try to sneak him through waivers to get him down to the minor leagues. So um, he was just kind of the odd man out. Um, still, still thought he will do a good job. He'll be a good, he'll be a good pitcher for you. Um, he won't be the, when I drafted him, he was a five, five-star prospect out of high school. And then uh, after about a season, his ratings tanked, he went down to, I think like a two and a half star prospect. And then he kind of bounced back and, um, and he might be my all-time Dublin's all-time um, career leader in WAR in terms of players drafted by Dublin um, for pitchers, wow. which, is, which is you know kind of a, a very low bar. I've uh, historically the guy before me and myself <laughs> have, uh, drafted many pitchers that have been successful in the PBA. Yet. Uh, hey, listen, you yeah. know what? I can tell you this, and you know, give yourself a little kudos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did draft a pitcher that won a Gold Glove. 
He was the <laughs> 2000. True. He was the 2031. He was that's last right. year's Gold Glove winner at pitching. Yeah, so that's what I don't know what we're going to do with that. His defense. That's, that's right. Sure. I mean, you know, yeah. hey, listen, that point zero zero one run per game it might make mm-hmm. all the difference. You might. Hey. I might. I might flip him back to you for double the value. Who knows? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. I really appreciate your time. Uh, yeah. You have, before I let you go, just one final question. Do you have any guys on your roster, whether they're coming up through the system or a guy that you've decided to go ahead and give a shot? It could be in your bullpen or a backup mm-hmm. role. Somebody that uh, people should be, you know, kind of keeping an eye on for uh, Dublin uh, yeah. here that could contribute this year. Yep. Two, two guys I've mentioned already. Uh, Joe Jones, he's a third baseman. He'll be playing first base to, Joe Torrey, everyone knows him in real life, but um, I traded him, uh, traded Chris Langer for him uh, to Bill a couple seasons ago. So he's a he's a five star uh, catcher. He can also play first and third base. So he'll be playing a lot of first base, a lot of third base, a lot of backup catcher. I'm gonna try and be creative in getting him in the lineup, and then in my bullpen, um, my second round pick from last season, um, Andy Vallis. He's a he's a five star uh, reliever prospect. He's Three and a half star developed, so we're going to give him a shot. Um, we'll start out in the back, you know, the, you know, mop up duty kind of, and, and hopefully work work his way up in the high leverage by the uh, by the All Star break. Well, very good, Jeff. I appreciate all your time. That's all the time we yep. have here at the uh, the PBA Pod Damage Studios. We hope you guys enjoyed. That's all the time we have here. Thank you so much, Jeff. Take care, guys. God bless. You too. Take care.